0: You're listening to the Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. We come alive as we are with the Living Word. The lies so we can fully rest in your truth. Yeah, yeah.
1: The Parable of the Sower. I don't think that's the best classification for this parable. A better one would be the parable of the seed. Because the seed is key. It's not the, the sower that's the key. Anybody can sow. I'm sowing. I'm insignificant. It's what I'm sowing. That's what's significant. It's the word. But I think the best, the best is, this is the parable
0: of the soils. In today's message, Pastor Danny discusses what most Bibles refer to as the parable of the sower. However, he explains why he believes two other titles might better illustrate this parable's lesson. The parable of the seed would better describe that the power is in the seed and not in the sower. Even better, the parable of the soils would explain how each of us can react to the seed. What kind of soil are you? Have you given the seed a rich environment in which to grow roots, thrive, and produce fruit? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter four, as he begins his message to hear or not to hear.
1: Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, the Lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee. That's what we better know it as. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. I love that verse. I'd love to try it sometime. The crowd is so large, he gets into a boat. And the boat becomes a floating pulpit. And I don't know if you know, but the water would help to amplify his words so that people could hear what he has to say. Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. A reminder, a parable is a story that relates everyday life. And a parable is not meant to hide something. It's meant to illumine what is attempted to be communicated. And, of course, here it's truth that Jesus is looking to communicate. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, and here's one of the parables. Notice how it opens. Listen! Exclamation point. There's an emphasis there by Jesus to the crowd. Listen! You'll see why in a minute. A farmer went out to sow his seed. This was a, a, a culture where there's a lot of farming, so they would have they known. They would have related So that they did not bear grain. Some translations say it wasn't thorns. It was weeds. But it's the same idea. Thorns or weeds. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That takes us back to the opening word. Listen! Exclamation point. Now, we know from verse 13, which we'll get to in a minute, and also Luke's account of this particular parable, Luke 8 verse 11, we know, and it is not debatable, that the seed in the parable represents the word of God. I'm amazed at what I get to do every week. I, I really am. I pinch myself and go, really, you, you get to do this? What do I get to do? I get to sow seed. I get to sow the word of God. And, and it's a crowd. This is a crowd. I would call this a crowd. And I don't know most of you. Here it goes. There's seed. is going out. And if you can hear, the seed goes out. Everybody that can hear. But not everybody that hears will hear. It is what it is. Often Jesus, before he would speak, would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why does he say that? Not everybody that hears the word really hears it. If you don't do it, you haven't heard it. James 1, don't merely listen to the word, do what it says. If you don't do what it says, you haven't really heard it. Verse 10, when he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. Parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everyone, everything is said in parables. Why? Because a parable helps them to understand. But then he says, so that, and he quotes Isaiah 6, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be healed or turn and be forgiven. That, this verse says, turn and be forgiven. Now, that almost sounds like the opposite of what I just said. The parable helps them to see and hear and understand. And yet this verse, if you don't understand this verse, seems like God's tricking them. Oh, yeah, you'll hear it, but you won't really hear it. Oh, yeah, you'll see it, but you won't really see it because it's hidden. No, it means exactly the opposite. Here's what happens. Because in the prophecy, please note that they they may be Ever seeing, but never perceiving. And ever hearing. That's not just hearing one time, seeing one time. That's, that's, those are people who've heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it, but they don't get it. And what happens with people that hear it and hear it and hear it and don't get it? I'm coming right back to Mark. But Acts chapter 28, the apostle Paul also quoting from Isaiah's prophecy, but he adds a little emphasis here, verse 26, go to this people and say, you'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, that's repent and not heal them. Mark chapter four, verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Oh, I'm so thankful for the grace and mercy of God in dealing with our dullness. He's saying, if you don't get this parable, you won't get it at all. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. There's your fill in the blank moment come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Genesis 2-7 will always amaze me. It's the verse that says, when God created the first man, he formed man from the dirt... Or some translations, the dust, but same thing, the dirt of the ground. And I'm not trying to be funny, but it is funny. Why? Because when God fashioned the first man, before God breathed into him the breath of life, he was just a (laughs) dirtbag. I'm not trying to be funny, but it is funny. God created man from the dirt of the ground. Then it says, he breathed into man, and man became a living being. It was the breath of God that gave him a soul, mind, will, and emotion. It was the breath of God that gave him a spirit. We're a trichotomy. We're spirit beings who live in a body, and we possess a soul, mind, will, and emotion. But it's fascinating to me. Without God, we're just dirtbags. And how relevant is that? To this parable and this teaching. Someone, I don't know who did it, a long time ago dubbed this parable the parable of the sower. I don't think that's the best classification for this parable. A better one would be the parable of the seed. Because the seed is key. It's not the, the sower that's the key. Anybody can sow. I'm sowing. I'm insignificant. It's what I'm sowing. That's what's significant. It's the Word. But I think the best, the best is, this is the parable of the soils. Because the seed is the same. The sower can be whoever. The seed is the same. The seed is the Word of God. And we're all dirtbags. <laughs> what kind of dirt bag? They're different kinds of soils and how you respond to the seed sown depends on the type of soil you are. And so I think it would be good if we want to really hear and understand the message that Jesus is giving through this parable. Let's look at the soils. The first is the soil on the path. What happens to soil on a path? Gets walked on. What happens when it gets walked on? Gets compacted. What is it when it gets compacted? Here's what it is. It's hardened soil. That's why the devil can so easily come and take the word that's sown on that path, and he can easily snatch it away. I, I bet it happens here every single week. I bet it happens in every church service where the word of God is being sown. I mean... There are people there that say, well, I hope he doesn't go overtime today. And all they're doing is thinking about the clock. And, uh, and you know what? They'll be back again next week. They'll be back again. But nothing different in their life. They come to church. They attend church. And where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Calvary Chapel or wherever it might be. But they're hardened. Now, they might not be out here living some hellish life, you know. They may be upstanding, uh, you know, respected citizens in the community, and they're churchgoers, and they believe in God. But, I mean, the Word is not really having an impact in their life. Why? Because, like the prophecy in Isaiah, it's just, they've heard it and heard it and heard it. Here he goes again. Here he goes again. I've heard it. it. Makes no difference. You can grow up hearing it. But I think also the soil on the path, I think it also represents not just the religious person who just hears the truth and just goes one in ear and out the other. I, I think it also can be, yeah, you say he's a God of love. If God of love never allowed what happened in my life. You know what happened to me? You're going to tell me he's a God of love? And because of negative life experiences, they have become hardened. They don't want to hear the truth. Now, it doesn't matter for which type of hard soil, whether it's the religious person, uh, the person in church that hears it every week, you know, or the person out here that's had the negative life experience. The answer for this type of soil is the same. You know what it is? Jeremiah, break up your unplowed ground. And that's painful. And it's interesting that the person who's hardened because of negative life experiences, it may take a more negative life experience to actually get their attention. Hosea says the same thing, break up your unplowed ground for it's time to seek the Lord. In other words, there's time that's gone on now and you become hardened. Hey, now there, God's doing a plowing. Why? Because it's time for you to seek the Lord. Time for you to stop going the way you're going. Psalm 119, I didn't think about when I put in my notes, but I know this, Psalm 119, the longest of the Psalms, longest chapter in the Bible too is Psalm 119. And it's all about the word. The seed. And it's interesting. Right in the middle of Psalm 119, the psalmist writes, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Interesting. The affliction. What was that? Well, we don't know exactly what detail, but that's plowing. That's what the affliction is. And the affliction actually did what God intended and got their attention and they responded correctly to the word. And now they're walking in obedience. First Corinthians 11, Paul talks about in the context of the Lord's table. Some people come and they they take of the Lord's table, but they do so in an unworthy manner. In other words, their hearts really aren't right. That's what he's saying. And he says, as a result, some of you are weak and sick and some have fallen asleep. And then he goes on to say, if we're disciplined and and those things he's talking about are, are acts of discipline by the Lord... And he's doing that and allowing that in our lives so that we will not be condemned with the world. Those things, that's God breaking up, plowing. Amos, in Israel's history, God did some things again and again to try to get their attention in their waywardness. And in the ministry of Amos, listen to what he writes in chapter 4 of Amos. Verse 6. This is the Lord talking. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town. Yet you've not returned to me, declares the Lord. He's saying, I I, I did this and I set this up to try to get your attention so that you'd repent. Then verse 7, I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. Yet you've not returned to me. And if you notice, if you read this and just listen to it, it goes from a light plowing to a heavier plowing. Verse 9, many times I struck your gardens and vineyards. I struck them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees. In the context of that culture, what that's saying is something happened with your finances. And all of a sudden, your, your purse had a hole in it and your wallet had a hole in it. And all of a sudden, your finances dipped and you had no control over it. That's what happened. And God, God worked that out to try to get their attention. Yet yeah, you've not returned to me, says the Lord. Verse 10, gets worse. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. Now it's physical infirmity. I killed you young men with the sword. Now there's death in the family. Yet you've not returned to me. And then the last one, catch this. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. That's some pretty heavy plowing. You were like a burning stick. Snatched from the fire. What does that mean practically? I'll tell you what it means. There was a tragedy and people you know and maybe people you went to school with and people you worked with and people maybe that lived in your neighborhood and maybe even some of your own family, they died in a tragedy and you survived. And God is saying, now you need to get right with me before it happens to you, yet you've not returned to me. And the last verse in that context Therefore, this is what I will tell you. And because I will do this, prepare to meet your God. The next soil is interesting. It's the soil in rocky places, but it's not rocky. It's not a rocky place you see the rocks with your naked eye. It's a, like a ledge of limestone just below the surface. So there's a, a thin layer of soil and then a ledge or a rocky area below it. And that kind of environment and that type of soil uh, produces a hotbed for rapid germination so that the plants come up quickly and they grow quickly. But because there's no root, when it hits high noon, the sun scorches the plant and it withers. I've been doing this for a long time now. I've seen the hard soil and I've seen the rocky soil. These people, man, they respond and they accept Christ and they, they, man, they're like, they're testifying for the Lord. They're getting involved in everything, you know, and, and, and these type of people, these type of people can, can make even me convicted. They make you feel like I'm lukewarm compared to them. I mean, they are, just, they are just on it, man, and they are out there. And you just go, man, they are just on fire. And then the testing hits. And you go, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Oh, didn't you hear? And you go, really? Not them. They were so on fire. They were so involved. What happened? I don't know if you're aware, but let me just inform you. The testing is going to come. There's nothing you can do about it. And you have to have testing. Why? For a lot of reasons. Testing proves your genuineness. 1 Peter chapter 1. These trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. It proves who's the real deal and who's not testing is necessary if your roots are going to go down and you become become established not easily moved and that's what james says although james james says it the way we don't like to hear it count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. You got to get through the tough time. And it will come. Testing reveals the impurities of the heart. And they're there in every one of us. Let me read you from Deuteronomy chapter 8. As God led the children of Israel... In the wilderness wanderings, he's looking to teach them. And he says in verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years? To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Now, please, I need to say this every time I read this. God's not looking to find out what's in their heart. He knows what's in every heart. He wants them to know what's in their heart. So they can let him deal with it. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Manna is Christ, supernatural food, which neither you nor your fathers had known. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word, there's the seed, every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Testing develops faith. Because you got to get to a point in maturity where now... When the finances dip and and you go, well, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust the Lord. When the circumstance is not that pleasurable and you go, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust the Lord. And you keep going back to the word, the word, the word, and the word feeds you and the word sustains you and the word encourages you. And your roots begin to go deep so that nothing moves you. It's not sinless perfection, it's maturity. You begin to live by faith, not by sight. By fate, not by feelings. By fate, not by circumstances. And then there's the soil among the thorns. And the seed sown on this kind of soil. And there are three things about this type of soil. One is... The worries of life choke the word and it unfruitful. The worries of life. It's interesting, the word there, it's not a bad word. Matter of fact, the same word used when Paul talks about his concern, his worry, his care, concern for all the churches, same word. So these are things in life uh, that are things that you, yeah, hey, you got to take care of.
0: Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with His sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program. Also, under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.